Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, Penny Morton, the Defence Secretary, has said she wants to end what she describes as the chilling threat of repeated investigations of troops who served in Northern Ireland. Now, she's made this comment as she announced that soldiers and veterans will be given stronger legal protections against prosecution. But as you would have heard over the last uh, 24 hours or so, those protections would not apply for alleged offences here in Northern Ireland. And she's uh, the Defence Secretary, the new, relatively new Defence Secretary, uh, suggesting at a later date she would like to see it become relevant for soldiers who served here. Uh, let me speak to a soldier from here, politician of today, Doug Beatty from the Ulster Unionist Party. Doug Beatty, good morning. Good morning, Doug. We have a problem getting Doug on that line. We'll try and get him on uh, another one, which uh, shouldn't be as big an issue. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Frank. I'm getting you loudly and clearly uh, this time. Uh, How do you read this at this moment in time? Because a a lot of people do have some difficulty in fully understanding the argument. The more arguments we hear from the politicians, the more confused people become. And I, I, I suppose the difference between an amnesty and protection from prosecution, I, that's what most people think the politicians are dancing on the head of a pin about. And, and, and you know what, Frank, I, I don't think they would be far wrong when they said that, because I do think we are dancing on the head of a pin when we're talking about these things, because they are going to um, lead to a de facto amnesty, if people don't want to use that word, fine, but that's the direction we're going. And the reality is this, that as a soldier now and soldiers today, um, I, I come under the law of armed conflict. I come under military and civil law, uh, and I have to abide by rules of engagement and, in fact, the laws of the, of the country uh, that I'm in. Um, so I have to adhere to, to many, many rules when, when I operate. Now, um, what we need is, is something that stops vexatious claims against soldiers, um, and, and that is false claims which are repeatedly done and paid for through a, a, a legal system which allows them to happen. But I cannot go far as to say that we should have laws which stop soldiers being answerable to the law. And I've been quite clear on multiple occasions uh, that nobody is above the law, be they a soldier, a policeman, uh, a member of the public, be they a terrorist, be they even a politician. Nobody is above the law. Uh, And we should not be bringing anything in uh, that can be expanded to to basically hand out amnesties. And here is the reality to all of this, Frank, and people need to understand that. If you bring this in for soldiers, case law, and we've taken legal advice on this, case law will mean it will be extended to the terrorists. 
uh, and that is a de facto amnesty. And there's absolutely no way that I can support uh, an amnesty of any shape or form. Um, uh, and where I have real concerns about um, the royal prerogative of mercy, the pardons handed out to terrorists, uh, and I would like to see the full list of those. I know the 16 of them between two, uh, 1998 and 2002 went to 16 Republican terrorists. Uh, what I would like to see is the full list of them. But we also have concerns about the OTR letters, and we have concerns about the postman of the OTR letters, which was Jerry Kelly, who himself holds a pardon. So I, I, I think there are lots of concerns here. But, the, but, but going down this road of a statute of limitations, because this is a statute of limitations by, by another name, um, is going to lead to general amnesties. Do you get a sense that people who maybe aren't reading every last letter of what's been said, they're, they're forming an opinion, and maybe it is a well-briefed opinion, that they get a sense that there are people within the British government who clearly feel, including the likes of Johnny Mercer, who's very vocal on this, a Conservative MP, that they feel because you're wearing a uniform, because you're in a theatre of war, you can do as you please? Well, I, I don't think they do think that, if I'm really honest with you, Frank, and, and I'll be the first to say if I, if I did believe that. I don't think they do. What I think the problem is here is, is, is uh, in... Some constituencies, in, certainly in, in England, um, uh, MPs are under pressure from their constituents to do something to protect the soldiers within their constituents. And we have to understand something, whether we like it or not. For us here in Northern Ireland, we are still living this conflict, and we live it every single day. We virtually talk about it every single day. It is very alive to us. But in England, unless you are a victim, it's been forgot about. It's a thing of the past. It's a thing we should put behind us. Uh, and, and if you were to take a straw poll, I would imagine, of, of people in England now, they would say, let's draw a line under the past and let's move on. Whereas here in Northern Ireland, it would be a very different affair. So I don't think they're saying that soldiers should be able to do as they wish. I, I think quite far from it, if I'm honest. Um, but I do think that they believe that things have moved on and we should all move on in society now. And I think that's a fair conversation to be had, I think, Frank, that, you know, should we draw a line? Should there be an amnesty? Um, should we be in a position where this is all about truth and reconciliation and not about bringing people to court? And I can understand where people will be going in regards to that conversation. I'm not there. I don't believe in amnesties of any shape or form. Uh, but I can understand why people would like to talk about that. Do, do you feel that the opinion from ordinary Joes and Josephines in England, Scotland and Wales would be different from people in Northern Ireland who find it incredibly divisive? Well, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's over for them. You know, when it, when it was happening, it was their, their sons, their, their daughters, their husbands who were being sent to Northern Ireland and some of them did not come back. Um, and for the victims whose husbands didn't come back, they, they probably want to, uh, some answers. But the, for the vast majority, and remember there was over 300,000 soldiers served in Northern Ireland, for the vast majority it's over and they just want to, to draw a line and forget about it. But here in Northern Ireland we are still living it, Frank, and, and that's a reality. Um, and you can, you can even tell, I mean, if you look at, uh, and, and I know Gavin Robinson has, has stated this, but if you look at the Defence Select Committee who talked about putting in protections for soldiers, they clearly stated in their evidence that if they put protections in for soldiers, it will also apply to the terrorists. But they're going ahead with it anyway. You know, so, so people need to be taken up on this. If this is a conversation about amnesties, then let's stop lying to the public and let's have a conversation about amnesties. Uh, if it's not, if it's something else, 
then we need to give people clarity on that. And right at this moment in time, what they are proposing is a statute of limitations by another name, and that statute of limitations will end up applying to everybody. Okay, uh, Doug Beatty, uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Your opinions on this are very uh, welcome. We're hoping uh, to speak uh, to representatives of the DUP and Sinn Féin about it as well. Uh, 02890 If you are just uh, switching on, you are very welcome indeed. Now, um, just looking at some of the uh, comments that are coming through, people are indeed asking that question that I've been asking myself. What exactly is the difference between an amnesty and protection from uh, prosecution. Uh, Jennifer uh, is saying that. She says, uh, Frank, you made the reference to politicians dancing on the head of a pin about this. That is exactly how I felt about it. And it's interesting that Doug Beatty agrees with that uh, also. Um, John says, for goodness sake, they were in uniform, Frank. They protected us. Would you leave the army alone? Well, it's not me that's attacking the army. I'm just discussing it. I'm debating it. I'm uh, giving you a platform to actually express an opinion on it, uh, John, and feel free indeed to lift that phone. This is the U105 phone-in. I want to speak to Linda Dillon, an MLA with Sinn Féin. Uh, Linda Dillon, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Uh, Linda, do you fully grasp the concept of the difference between amnesty and protection from prosecution? Actually, I think Doug Beatty, I was just listening to him speaking there, and I think he has it 100% right. There is no difference. It is an amnesty, but it's an amnesty for, for British forces only. And we have already been told, and Doug has outlined this also, and it was given an evidence, legal evidence, to the NAFR's committee that there cannot be an amnesty for one protagonist in the conflict. So it will effectively mean an amnesty for all. But is it, is it an amnesty for British soldiers only at present? Or isn't, is it indeed an amnesty for British soldiers only if it was to come in in Northern Ireland? Are they not playing catch-up with the British soldiers when you consider that Doug Beatty also highlights 16 royal prerogatives of mercy and the OTR letters, in, in, including the royal prerogative of mercy that Jerry Kelly had besto- bestowed upon him. Uh, sh- surely they're just balancing out the books on this one. Let me be very clear, Frank. This is not about what Sinn Féin wants. Sinn Féin's original position was a truth commission. And it was actually the victims sector, the people out there who have been most affected by the conflict, who said they did not want amnesties for anybody. What they wanted was that everybody had the opportunity of truth and justice. That's how we reached the point of agreement on the Stormont House Agreement. And that applies across the board. I mean, I often get these tweets from people saying, you're speaking about, you know, amnesties for British soldiers, but what about, you know, the IRA and all, all of the Republicans who've committed crimes or who've killed people? Actually, the Stormont House Agreement allows for the mechanisms to be used in relation to everybody who's involved in the conflict. Republicans will also, where there is evidence to follow, will also be arrested and charged. That's, that's the reality of it. But, but you still have already benefited from the 16 royal prerogatives of mercy, whereas the soldiers who have been serving here can still be sitting as very elderly men now, waiting on a knock on their door. As I've already stated, and I've just stated it very clearly, 
everybody where there is evidence to be followed, it is irrelevant whether they are Republican, whether they are British soldier, that evidence will be followed and they will be prosecuted. And those who you're talking about who were given riot prerogatives, the evidence was followed and they were prosecuted. The riot prerogatives came after that. So that that's not these are not the same things. These are investigations that were not carried out at the times of the killings. And I think it's about time, I mean, we talk about these British soldiers and them being followed as, as elderly men and possibly women, I don't know, and, and all of this, you know, the, the terrible consequences for them. What about the consequences for the families that are waiting on some truth, on some justice, on it just to be said what actually happened to their loved ones? We have the ongoing case that's going on in the courts at the moment around Bally Murphy. There are many, many other cases that are the same, and those families... As I say, this is not about Sinn Féin, it's not about what I want. And Doug talked about, you know, this conversation needs to be had around amnesty. The conversation was had. We proposed a truth commission. It was the victim sector that said they could not accept that. And we accepted that that was their position. And we moved to the position of trying to find something that would be acceptable to the victim sector. And that's, that's who we're really talking about here. You know, either we want to satisfy the needs of British soldiers or we want to satisfy the needs of the victims who suffered worst as a result of the conflict here in the North. So if an amnesty was offered to all members of the IORA, Sinn Féin would turn it down? I have been very clear. I don't think that there's any ambiguity in what I am saying. We support the victims' community in their ask, and that is that no amnesty be given. That's it. That, that's our, our starting and finishing point. I have had many, many meetings with many people right across the victim sector, and I'm not talking about one side of our section of our community or the other, Frank. I'm talking about right across the board. I've met with the Victims Forum on many, many occasions, and you will be well aware that the Victims Forum is a very diverse victims community. It's people from every single background. So, And they are all in agreement that there can be no amnesty. And I've been very clear with them, I've been very upfront, I've been very honest about our position, where our starting position was and why we've moved to the position that we're now at. And, and that's what it's about. It's about addressing the needs of those that were most hurt. Because if we don't do that, we're going to be in serious trouble. So then following through on what you're saying, Linda Dillon, if you're not accepting of an amnesty for members of the IRA because it's not what the victims want, are you in favour of the PSNI continuing to pursue members of the IRA for what they did when evidence comes to the fore of 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago? Sorry, Frank, can you give me one moment? Hi there. Right, okay, thank you. Don't be doing radio interviews here, so move on. Do I get the impre- Do I get the impression you were interrupted by the PSNI? I was. Well, I I presume I presume I presume you were parked somewhere that was appropriate. I was. And I presume you need to move. Yes. Well, do you do you have the ability to answer one final question, or do you need to ensure that you're I not do. going to be no, arrested? I do I'm not going to be arrested, Frank. Thank you. Okay. Well, let me ask you. Let me. Let me ask you that one one final question, and it is very simple. It's in relation to Sinn Féin saying they don't want amnesties because the victims have told them that's not 
what they want. Are you in favour of the PSNI continuing to pursue members of the IRA for crimes they committed over the last number of decades? Let me be very clear. It's not about what I'm in favour of. We have agreed that there will be no amnesty for anybody. No amnesty for anybody regardless of what background they come from or what protagonists they were during the conflict. We have been very clear about that. And Republicans took a, a really, I suppose, a very brave step in saying we accept that the victims' community are the community that we need to look after. And if we leave them behind in relation to moving on, then legacy is not dealt with, and that's the reality of it, because those people are the people who were most impacted. Yes, but you're, you're just, uh, I'm out of time on it, but you're not, you're not clear on the, ans- clear. The, the answer to the question I asked the, the PSNA, you. The PSNA will follow any evidential source that they have, regardless of who that is in relation to, whether it's in relation to, they already are, they already are pursuing Republicans, and we have a number of Republicans who are being pursued for historical crimes. So that, that is what's happening, and we have, we have been very clear, no amnesty for anybody. No amnesty for anybody. The PSNA are following all evidential leads they have, and regardless to any case, whether it be historical or current. Okay, Linda Dillon, uh, thank you uh, very much. Uh, Sinn Féin, MLA for Mid-Ulster. Gavin Robinson uh, is listening to all of that from the DUP. Gavin Robinson, good morning. Good morning, thanks. The DUP, and I've listened to quite a few speakers from the party on this. Of all the people dancing on the head of a pin, the DUP seem to be dancing more than others about the difference between an amnesty and protection from prosecution. Define it for me, please. You know, it's not dancing on the head of the pin. There, there is a clear distinction. An amnesty would give people uh, the freedom uh, without investigation uh, to get away uh, with anything that they have been involved in. A statute of limitations, as defined by uh, the Defence Select Committee on which I sit, and indeed as contained in the proposals from the Defence Secretary, one is engaged where the state has discharged its duty, where there has been a satisfactory investigation and there has been no case to answer. Two, where there is no fresh or new compelling evidence. If there is fresh or new compelling evidence, then the logic of that is an investigation, a second investigation or a third investigation can proceed. It is not an amnesty. It is not state immunity. And to conflate the two is highly regrettable. Do you accept that many people in the nationalist stroke Republican community believe that when soldiers were investigated back in the 70s, the investigation was really a paper exercise? It it had no teeth and and no substance. And that many people believe further investigations are needed into some of the incidents that happened back in the day, so to speak. There was an issue in the early 70s, at the start of the Troubles, uh, where the Royal Military Police uh, were involved in investigations and incidents which involved soldiers. uh, And the courts took a decision at an early stage uh, that it was inappropriate for uh, the armed forces to investigate themselves. So that stopped. Uh, That was then no longer the case. Uh, The state had an obligation under the ECHR, the European Convention of Human Rights, Uh, They had an obligation to investigate incidents properly and fully, uh, and they did. Um, And so in constructing a statute of limitations, it's taking a very clear look at our past. It is saying that whenever a a member of the armed forces or security personnel or the RUC 
went out, they were going out to do a job. Do a job within the law. That is in stark contrast to terrorists who went out knowingly and willfully going to break the law, to destroy our society and destroy our peace. And if the British Secretary of State for Defence, if Penny Mordant is going to bring forward a, a proposal uh, which offers uh, a level of comfort to veterans who served in other theatres uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan and the Falklands War uh, and so on, and she believes that morally it is imperative to bring forward proposals that frustrate this continual uh, difficulty of knocking on the doors of elderly veterans and trying to bring them back to reinvestigate again and again uh, issues that have long uh, since been resolved. If she thinks it's morally right to do that in other theatres, then it is equally appropriate for Northern Ireland. So in other theatres of war... And also in Northern Ireland, if you follow through what Johnny Mercer's calling for, or indeed what Penny Modern's calling for, or what uh, she's uh, I- I- implementing, if you follow that through for, for Northern Ireland, and you look at it in a context where there are other theatres of war, soldiers like those who were involved in Bloody Sunday, soldiers like those who were involved in Ballam Murphy, soldiers who shot people when their car backfired or soldiers who indeed shot, for example, a child on its way to school or indeed even soldiers who shot joyriders who were speeding past them or soldiers who have been accused indeed of shooting IRA members after they arrested them. All of those soldiers would tend to have the investigation dropped after some form of box-ticking exercise. That's how people from the nationalist community, the Republican community, see that call from the Secretary of State for Defence or from Johnny Mercer. They see it as the soldiers not being taken seriously, the crimes that they commit, the crimes that they commit not being taken seriously. I think it's hugely regrettable that you presented it uh, in those terms. Why, uh, if a state is discharging its its duty to investigate, do you uh, describe it as a bomb? This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. ...ticking exercise. I think that's hugely uh, disrespectful. I think that's wrong. And if it was uh, a box-ticking exercise, then ultimately it would be uh, susceptible uh, to challenge. Uh, that is not what happened uh, in our society. 
but the, the fundamentals of the statute of limitations that not Johnny Mercer's idea or Penny Mordant's idea, the Defence Select Committee uh, published a paper, and you've interviewed me on it uh, on a number of occasions 18 months ago. The fundamentals of it were clear. There had to be a satisfactory investigation, not a box-ticking exercise, one that satisfies the law, one that is appropriate, one that looked at the incident, <coughs> one that resolved. If that has happened, if the state has done what it is required to do, uh, then there is no reason why there should be a second or third investigation where there is no new or compelling evidence or reason to do so. Have you a concern that members of the IRA or the UVF may benefit from what Penny Mordant is trying to implement? Well, we've gone through uh, in detail uh, evidence from a number of academics and a number of lawyers, and there is a, a competing narrative. Uh, there are those that say if you provide state immunity that it has to apply across the board. That's not what this proposal does. This proposal looks clearly where there has been an investigation, where there is no new evidence, then the statute of limitations would be engaged. If there hasn't been an investigation, then it is appropriate that there is an investigation and that deals with our, our, our troubled past. There are two-thirds of the IRA murders, for example, unresolved, where individuals haven't been made amenable, where they haven't been investigated, where there's been no truth or justice for their victims. Um, that's not what this proposal is. This proposal is very clear, it is legally uh, confined, and I think it is appropriate, but it should, if it applies across the United Kingdom, it applies equally, and the Attorney General agrees. Okay, um, Gavin Robinson of the DUP, thank you for uh, your opinion on it. 02890-3105. You've been hearing what three politicians have had to say this morning. A look at your text, your emails, take your calls as well. Uh, Cecil has a point that he would like to make. He's on line two. Good morning, Cecil. Morning, Frank. Um, I just want to make a, a, a point here. Um, why should um, people um, take the British Army back to court and do justice, where there's um, IRA has killed many soldiers and stuff. So why can that be equal? And when, when the IRA gets, um, when they, they kill somebody, they're getting letters and saying, free the country. Why is that? They're all about it. If that's the case, when the army should get that as well. Do you not get a sense, Cecil, that members of the terrorist organisations spent a significant amount of time in jail now, we have 16 Royal Prerogatives of Mercy, OTR letters that you make reference to as well. But at one point, at one point in our troubled past, the jails were stuffed to the gills with members of the Republican movements and the Loyalist terrorist movements. They, they were, the courts were busy sending people down. The courts were rarely employed addressing the issues where British soldiers were in the dock. Yes, but the, well, my, well, my point is about, is about this Bobby Murphy one, about these soldiers in Bobby Murphy. In the day, look at, look at, look at, look at damn, what do you call him, Joe, uh, Johnny Kelly. He um, gave the go-aheads to go and shoot British soldiers and kill um, the prison officers and stuff. What's that all about? Why, why is he not getting done for stuff like that? Well, Jerry Kelly did serve time. I know he did get a royal prerogative of mercy after his escape and he went to Holland. But Jerry Kelly did serve time for the crimes he committed and he was tried. And yes, he belonged to an organisation that killed members of the security forces. Whether or not he ordered any 
killings or indeed directed anyone towards killing is something that Jerry Kelly, I'm sure, would reject if he was on this programme. He did belong to the organisation, however, that carried out the killings. Uh, Cecil, uh, thank you. This is the U105 phone-in. Good morning. Irene has a point that she wants to make. Good morning, Irene. Good morning, Frank. Thank you very much for accepting my call. Uh, I'm very concerned about the objection to statute of limitations because the Irish Republican Army were allowed to murder and slaughter around the country and they received on-the-run letters. And I object to that and nobody knew when they signed the Good Friday Agreement that that was going to be permitted. We have an army that acted under the law, and if you go back all those years ago, when the army were brought into this country, they operated under a yellow card system. And they did so with bravery and dignity, and they protected this country from dropping into civil war. So did our friends and members of the Royal Ulster Constabulary. Now, I must point out that any member of these forces, whether they be UDR, RUC, RUC Reserve, or Army, their inquests, the legacy inquests, they have never been reopened. Who murdered them? Now, I am a victim and a survivor. I worked with and for the RUC, and I enjoyed my role working with them in a civilian capacity. But I myself <clears throat> was very badly injured in a bomb explosion. And I was lucky to survive that. I was dug out of it. And the officer in charge of that station was murdered. His inquest was <clears throat> held but those responsible, and they were no one who was responsible, who murdered him, escaped, and they were given shelter in the Republic of Ireland. So my view is... The past is in the past. There are many, many innocent victims running about this country today, like myself, and we're watching friends and colleagues of people that are up in years being dragged into the past, being held to account for something that they are not responsible for. They were acting under the law of the government. The government implemented the Special Powers Act the government, many years ago, banned marches and parades, and our brave members of the police and the army were there to uphold the law of order. And let's not forget that. Irene, just on that, just on that, because you, you paint a very clear picture of someone who suffered as a result of serving the people of this country as a member of the RUC, and you pay tribute... No, not as... Well, well you, were, you were working I, in the... You, I was a part-time member for a short period of time. Okay. And I wore that, I wore that uniform <clears throat> with pride. But I also was a civil servant for 37 years. Okay, but Irene... Allocated. Okay, okay. So we get a clear picture of the fact that you have served the community in a variety of ways and you've paid tribute to the gallant people of the RUC and the British Army who did things to protect the people of this country, and there is plenty of evidence of the army protecting people, and there's plenty of evidence of the RUC protecting people. However, you said that the they had a card system whereby marches were banned and they were acting on orders. 
Would you, Irene, condemn the members of the uniformed uh, military, the army regiments, or the, the police who acted beyond what was acceptable in march situations or in demonstration situations? For example, the most obvious being, do you condemn the soldiers who killed the people on Bloody Sunday? I look at the view as serving when there was riotous situations. You were there to protect your colleagues and yourself. You went out and you didn't know if you were coming back. And nobody understands that unless they're in that situation. When you're out and there's someone there out to murder you, you react within a split second of what could happen to you or your colleagues. So you, you see Bloody Sunday through that lens. Ballamurphy, yes, where the inquests are ongoing at the moment. You, you, They're ongoing at the moment, and I would not want to comment there. That is okay. That is okay. We'll not preempt the outcome of the, the inquest. I totally respect your uh, opinion on that, and quite rightly, that is how we should handle that at this moment in time. A soldier, yes, a, so, a soldier, a soldier who who shoots a guy who's driving past doing his day's work because his van backfires, is is is, is that acceptable? How do you know the car just backfired? If you're standing in a situation and you know that your life could be on the edge at any time, remember some of these soldiers were only 17, 18, 19 years of age. They were coming over here. They didn't know the terrain. They didn't know what was going to happen to them when they walked around a street corner. These soldiers were put into an urban area we're not talking about open ground here. We're talking about an urban area where there was traffic, people, uh, people hiding in houses, shooting them from windows and back doors, well, and driving past and murdering them. That's what we're talking about here. Well, let's use a rural. Let's use a. Let's use a, a rural example then of a, a soldier shooting a, a little girl on her way to to school at St Paul's in South Armagh. She's, she's 14 and she's walking down the road. Well, I can't stand over that. I mean, I have no evidence of that. And I can't well, it did happen. Her name was Magella O'Hare. She was shot dead on her way to school. Yes, and we also have police officers and off-duty soldiers that were lured to their deaths by terrorists picking them up in dance halls. And let us not forget the three young Scottish soldiers who were lured away and brutally murdered, brutally murdered. Absolutely. Irene, Irene no, one's, no one's going to argue with you on that one. 100% agreement. Brutal murder carried out by terrorists, the length and breadth of this country. It happened yes, continually. It happened continually. Terrorists. But Irene, yes. you're prepared, understandably, to condemn that, but you're not prepared to condemn anything that anyone in uniform did. No. I think there should be a statute of limitations simply because simply because, I must make this point very, very strongly, our gates of our prisons were opened and they were let out. And now they're out. And if they're not into racketeering, they're rewriting history. That's what they're doing. Okay, okay. Some of them, of course, are leading politicians who would have absolutely nothing to do with racketeering. But 
I get you, I get your point, uh, Irene. Uh, a lot of people will be getting it as well. Whether or not they're agreeing with it, that's a, an entirely different thing. One thing it does prove is that legacy is such a difficult topic. Um, Brian Rowan's available to speak to us. Brian, good morning. Hi, Frank. Good morning. Brian, there was to be some sort of announcement yesterday and then people would argue that it didn't happen because the secretary who's responsible for the Ministry of Defence had other things on her plate. Well, we're not being told why it didn't happen and when you're not being told why it didn't happen, uh, people will look at events um, of, of yesterday and, and come to their own conclusions. Uh, this debate on uh, protections for military veterans has become one of the big arguments uh, in the legacy conversation. You and I have talked about it, I don't know how many times, Frank. It's not part of what was proposed here within the uh, Stormont House Agreement, but has been this playoff stage. The Defence Secretary, Penny Mordaunt, setting out uh, the stall yesterday, re Iraq and Afghanistan and protections for soldiers who fought there, saying also she hoped the, the proposed measures could offer a way forward for those who served here. Uh, so uh, that's about uh, protecting soldiers from investigations uh, over actions on the battlefield abroad uh, after 10 years, um, except in exceptional circumstances. Uh, very much repeating the position and, and intention of her predecessor, Gavin Williamson, so imagine that speech yesterday alongside the planned legacy announcement that had been intended uh, in relation to here and the process that includes uh, historical investigations that will not just look uh, at the IRA, uh, Republican activity, uh, loyalist actions, but also at the military, the police uh, and the world of uh, intelligence. How would that contradiction have played out um, uh, on those different stages uh, yesterday, those different treatments also? The mood uh, at Westminster, it was encapsulated in the um, Defence Committee report of 2017, proposing a statute of limitations for the armed forces, encouraging the government to extend that to include the RUC and other security personnel, and after consultation to consider applying it across the board. So that would take us into uh, that world of amnesty, onto that stage of amnesty, and as well as that statute of limitations, they were saying there should also um, uh, be um, a, a truth recovery process. So you have all of that being the, the Westminster, the London uh, argument, and here they're still trying to um, uh, develop a process. And we were to have heard uh, what the next steps uh, were to be uh, in, a, in a statement and uh, an announcement uh, from the Secretary of State yesterday, uh, which was pulled at the last minute. Was it pulled because... The Secretary of State and the Secretary for Defence, the Minister for Defence, were at loggerheads or are they in unison on the issue? Uh, well, as I've said to you, Frank, the, the, the Stormont House agreement, the legacy consultation here, is not about a statute of limitations. It's about an historical investigations unit, an independent commission on information retrieval, uh, a new oral history archive, uh, and uh, an implementation and reconciliation group. So no talk of statute of limitations or, or amnesty within that process. Uh, what we were going to hear yesterday uh, was um, uh, that announcement on the plan next step. So what we would have got was uh, a published analysis of the uh, recent legacy consultation here, uh, what emerged from that consultation. There were to be options papers, uh, dealing with themes and, and those emerging issues. 
uh, under the various headings of, of the uh, planned legacy process here. So the new historical investigations unit, its uh, role uh, likely to be extended to cover uh, cases already reviewed by the old historical uh, inquiries team, uh, looking at uh, cases in, 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 in Britain, looking at recruitment and oversight, looking at the, the issue of the injured. Uh, on the on the question of the independent commission on information retrieval how do you soundproof that process making sure that information within it uh, did not become part of uh, investigations and and prosecutions so we were able to hear that and we, there, there was also this plan to set up uh, two committees one in london one here uh, stretching um, that conversation beyond the five political parties uh, I, I think you're going to be speaking to Andre Murphy in a moment, and Andre will be able to tell you a bit more about about that. But all of that uh, intended yesterday, and then and then pulled. Uh, so I think there there are two things that are in play here. Okay, there just briefly. The, yep. Yep. The speech that was made by by Penny Mordaunt, but also the consideration of the new talks process. Uh, what would uh, the effect of emptying that legacy container into those talks at this time? Uh, what would that effect uh, be? There's talk of a, a good mood within the talks, people on their best behaviour, but had all of that um, uh, information about legacy emerged yesterday, then would we be back into the, the arguments uh, that divide the parties here, divide the people here, uh, and, and maybe there was a, a, a bit of thinking on the government's part, the NIO's part, that this was not the time. Uh, to introduce all of that into okay. this negotiation. Okay, uh, Brian, thank you. You do mention that uh, Andre Murphy uh, from Relatives for Justice is uh, going to speak to us as well. Uh, Andre, you're, you're tweeting uh, about this and you're less than happy. Despicable carry-on this week. Shelving scheduled announcements, re-legacy structures in favour of impunity legislation and then hiding it all behind party talks. Is that how you feel, Andre? Well, I mean, the evidence speaks to that. Um, you know, if you look at what, what happened in terms of the um, sequencing of this week or even before that. So we have a consultation on dealing with the past that was held up for a very, very long time. It was announced in May of last year, so we're a year on from that. From that. And it, the consultation closed in November. There's been no sign of doing anything since then. Um, and then this week, the victims groups were called by the NIO and told that this week there will be an announcement, as Brian said, um, that that announcement was going, to, was going to have a series of steps. And the timetable for that was very clear. Karen Bradley was meant to go to the dispatch box yesterday at lunchtime. Then there was meant to be um, a written statement kind of outlining what the next steps would be, including those groups that Brian referred to. And one of those groups would include the parties, the Commission on Victims and Survivors, the Victims and Survivors Service, the groups themselves and the churches. And they would be looking at ways to kind of take forward the legislation to ensure that this is all happened, that we would at last have a process on dealing with the past. Then um, there started to be rumours that this wasn't going to happen. And then that was confirmed last night in another call that um, talked about things were going well at the talks, that the EU elections were coming up and they didn't want this kind of put into the, into the middle of it. And so there's absolutely no timetable now for what might happen. Now, that's, that, in my opinion, is not good. 
right? Because we have victims and survivors um, sitting and always being excluded from the processes, the wider peace process, the wider negotiations. And it wasn't until the um, Stormont House Agreement that we actually saw that the parties and the two governments were actually going to deal with the rights and needs of victims and survivors. And since then, that has been held up by, primarily by the British government inserting a national security veto into how this would be progressed. Okay. When we are on the cusp of actually progressing the thing, then um, it is shelved and we have this promotion of impunity uh, in a formal sense for British soldiers and other state agencies. Now that is completely unacceptable. And for victims and survivors who've had their rights shelved again and again, this is not good enough. And to think that the talks could survive, could be progressed without progressing the rights of victims and survivors is a, is really some form of double thing. Okay, Andrew, I'm going to have to leave it there. The opinion of Relatives for Justice on this whole issue that we've been discussing since we started this morning. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.